This is another Astros podcast. And White hits this in the air to left field down the line. Going back on it is Span onto the warning track, makes the catch, and that is the ball game. The Seattle Mariners take the first game of this three-game series as they defeat the Houston Astros 2-0. Mariners move to within three games of the Astros in the AL West as the Astros lose their season-high fifth in a row. Well, we've seen it on more than one occasion so far this year. Dad Gummett to Garrett Cole pitch good enough to win this game. Six and two-thirds, four hits, two runs. Two walks and eight strikeouts, but not good enough. The Astros' offense couldn't bail him out. A.J. Hinch here with me. And, A.J., you start looking right now at uh, a really good, full-of-depth bullpen with your team. Uh, can we go through some of your guys right now and who they match up best with, starting with Ryan Presley? Yeah, you know, he, he's been very impressive. Um, and you can read the numbers all you want. Obviously, you look at the strikeout rate or you look at the swing and miss rate yeah. and and the fancy stats that we have nowadays, we can we can make an assessment as to the type of matchups. You know, anybody that has trouble with the ball up, Presley has a has a has a riding fastball that he can get above the barrel. Anybody that has that has trouble with power breaking balls, Presley has that too. So I think that's what's made him a trade target for us, and the reason that we got him is um, two styles of hitters: the, the, the slower bat or someone that, that chases the ball up. Or the, the the guy that really struggles with power type breaking balls, not just a curveball, not just a slider, but a power break to them. Um, he's a perfect matchup for him. So it's um, he's been a great addition. Looks like Colin McHugh matches up with both righties and lefties too, right? Yeah, Colin is a, is an interesting guy, especially this year. You know, you can look at the numbers of him as a starter, and you got to throw it out the window a little bit, just given how effective he's been. Mm-hmm. Um, the the beauty of Colin when you match up him against certain hitters is is he's got a weapon for them, no matter what. Uh, the, the 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 issue is with the hitter. If it's down and away, he's got a cutter and a fastball down and away. If it's slow to, slower breaking balls, he's got the slow breaking ball. He can land for a strike or throw in the dirt for a ball. Elevated fastballs, we always know he's been able to yeah. do that. So him being able to attack different parts of a game plan makes it very valuable. Is Brad Peacock a little bit different from last year in your mind? A little bit. You know, I think I think him. You know, the, the slider is real, especially against right-handed hitters. I think his troubles against. Lefties have come with the fastball not getting high enough in the zone. You throw it in that honey hole down and in or um, any ball below the waist, and, and the lefty sees it a little bit longer than most hitters. Okay. Um, so right on right is my major strength for, for Brad Peacock, especially those that can't see spin. Tony Sipp, he's earned uh, the right to, to go in there and get the tough lefties out mm-hmm. because we see the, the bad swing. Yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been an interesting evolution for Tony in 2015. Um, he's in the wild card game in a leverage inning in 2016. Really had a difficult season. 2017 started to fade away a little bit and get out of those leverage roles. And then you look up at this year, um, he's been able to corral himself, get his pitches back in line with what our expectations are. Um, he's come in and been very, very tough on left-handed hitters. So it, um, I always have that issue with the lefty matchup guy. Like, is it? Are they going to pinch hit a righty if I bring him in to face D Gordon or Gamble or? Um, if Seeger was here, we would know they wouldn't pinch hit for him. So a uh, little bit of a cat and mouse game with the other manager. The good news is is if they do that, Tony's got a split finger back in, in, mm-hmm. in command to, to get those guys. All right, that's your guys. The, the trade deadline just ended today. Anything strike you with it? any moves that anybody else made? I think the volume of moves um, was like Great. a flurry at the end. And, yeah. I, and I know from my experience, some of those deals could have been done this morning and they just get reported a little bit later. Okay. But there was a an hour or two leading up to the deadline that was just boom here goes here goes Dozier boom here goes uh, Gosman to the Braves boom here goes you know Logan Forsythe back to the to the Minnesota Twins yeah. and where Chris Archer was going to end up and 
you know, I was following along just like a fan because yeah. there was like guys bouncing all over the place. Where is Scope going to play in Milwaukee? Where is, um, you know, what are the, all the new additions? Where are they going? Are they going to the minor leagues? Are they going to the big leagues? Um, the deadline always brings a lot of anxiety around your team. It also brings a lot of excitement around our sport because you got guys bouncing around left and right. And you guys know firsthand that uh, July 31st isn't is it the end all be all. Uh, you guys will stay active throughout the month of August. We will, yeah. We'll, Jeff and in the front office will look at different guys, and if something pops open, it's a little bit harder to make trades in in August, sure. just given that that teams can block teams, and there's a lot of gamesmanship that goes on in in August. The big name, big price guys are the ones that kind of get through waivers. That was Justin Verlander last year when he got to us. So. Um, time will tell if we need it. Honestly, the best acquisitions we can make in August is Carlos Correa and yeah. Jose Altuve. I'll take those guys. Yeah, and you guys uh, playing Seattle right here last night. The offense didn't perform that well yesterday, but that has a lot to do with the guy that was pitching for Seattle. Yeah, Paxton's hard, tough. And, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to always give credit to the pitcher because um, you want to be able to, like, attack your own guys and say, hey, we gotta, we got to figure out a way to do yeah. it. Um, it, you know, what a different game it would have been if Evan Gaddis' ball is fair in the first inning and we, yeah. get, we jump out to a 3 nothing lead. Um, but when you're facing Paxton, you need that break. You need that big hit. We had him on the ropes twice during his outing. We had Colome on the ropes in the eighth inning. Uh, we hit some balls hard against Diaz in the ninth, come up with a, with a tough loss. But um, 162 is the season that you play, and, and even though it feels uh, terrible to lose a couple games in a row, it always feels like you're dragging a little bit. Uh, it can turn quickly. And AJ, the good news is you still have a chance to win this series. You got a horse on the mound today, Charlie Morton. Yeah, and we're a three-game lead in the playoffs in the playoff race to try to win the division. Sure. And that's, you know, you're never satisfied. There's a lot of baseball to be played left. You're only as good as the next day starting pitcher, is the old adage. And mm-hmm. and you know, every day we like our guy. There you go, AJ. Thanks a lot. You guys, Morgan. Robert Ford, joined by Aaron Goldsmith, broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners, and the Mariners, one of the more active teams uh, at the trade deadline, picking up couple of relievers, Zach Duke and Adam Warren. Duke is active, also getting an outfielder, former Astro Cameron Mabin, coming over in a trade with the Marlins. He's not here yet. Uh, surprised by what the Mariners did? Was it what you were expecting? What, what were your thoughts on the on the moves? I think primarily, Robert, there was a lot of hope the Mariners would be getting a starting pitcher of some kind. And mm-hmm. although there was hope for that, there was also some, I think, a lot of realism involved with it as well, that that probably would not happen just because, as we all know, the cost of really good starting pitching right now and the fact that the Mariners' farm system, there are not a lot of prospects of upper in value, I think, for many teams as they look at the Mariners' farm system. So, of course, what do you do when you can't get a starting pitcher? You get a couple of good relievers to help shorten things up. The Mariners needed another left-hander in the bullpen. It seems like a year ago, but Mark Sipchinski was on this team at one point right. this year and was eventually DFA'd and is now with the Indians. Things did not work out well this year for Mark. Uh, so the Mariners really needed kind of another left-on-left guy to go along with James Pazos. And so they were able to get that. And then in terms of another veteran right-hander in Warren, as you mentioned, that was seemed like something else that Jerry DePoto would want to do. And he was able to acquire that. So two uh, veteran relievers, one a righty, one a lefty, to really help shorten things up and lock down some guys. And then in terms of Maven, I don't think this is a big surprise. The Mariners, as much as they love Guillermo Heredia defensively, I really truly think he's a premier defensive outfielder. Uh, he probably is not an everyday hitter. And so you needed to find somebody who could be out there in center field on most days who could have a major league competent bat. And although it's come and gone so far this year at the plate for Heredia, by and large, it's been a struggle recently. So with Maven coming over, a guy you know much better than we do, at least at this point, uh, that seemed like something on the shopping list for Jerry DePoto. Now you talked about the Mariners' rotation looking for a starting pitcher, and you guys have been able to 
to piece it together with uh, guys that no one was expecting, like Wade LeBlanc and, and Marco Gonzalez, both of whom have pitched very, very well for the Mariners. One guy who hasn't, though, is Felix Hernandez, who's been the ace of this staff, obviously, for quite some time. Had a really rough outing on Saturday against the Angels. Astros will not see him this series. How much concern is there regarding Hernandez? Well, it's been difficult at times to watch this year, Robert. He's had some really great starts, but for the most part, we've seen some struggles this year from Felix, and it really hasn't so much been the velocity, although his fastball is averaging 89 miles an hour. It really has been, by a large, command. I mean, Felix has good enough stuff still. His curveball, the numbers on his curveball are fantastic, and, of course, for his changeup, which is what has made him so successful over the course of his career, especially when his velocity started to diminish. But when his command isn't there for any pitcher, but Felix in particular, he's had really rough outings and he's been knocked around and his fastball usage has continued to go down as his changeup and his curveball usage have gone up. And unfortunately for Felix, as good as those two pitches, those two off-speed pitches have been, he still has been knocked around more than he in particular would like to see. It'll be really interesting to kind of see what happens the rest of the way for the Mariners. And if the Mariners do end up making a wild card, and let's say they go deeper than that, what role Felix will have because he has been the face of this franchise as you know as well as I do for over a decade so to see these struggles from Felix when the Mariners are kind of cresting more than they have in the last decade it's been difficult and certainly it certainly has I can only imagine and you know last night a really good crowd here I mean Astros have played a lot of weeknight games here and haven't seen yeah. 30,000 plus in the ballpark like we saw here in Seattle and attendance has been an issue for the Mariners at Safeco Field the last few years but it seems like fans are starting to come around and, and come out to see this team I really think so and as you know coming here for a number of years since uh, the Astros came into the division August in Seattle is heaven, right? I mean, yeah. this is when things really start to warm up here in Seattle. So you have that, of course, with uh, school still being out. So those factors with the really competitive ball club have made for some great crowds. And the crowds will get even better when the Blue Jays come to town. And this place gets awfully raucous <laughs> when our friends from the north invade Safeco Field. All right, Aaron Goldsmith, broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners. Thank you so much for joining us. Always good having you, Robert. The Houston Astros Radio Network. That is on the outside corner for strike three. Man, did he freeze him with that fastball at 97. Robert Ford. Steve Sparks. Charlie Stinkin' Morton. Thought it was Charlie Freakin' Morton. Something like that. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network.